Hello everyone, welcome to That Brit Rest TV Show once again with me Andrew Ogden and from Dan Belinka's Crime Watch van, <laughs> it's the one and only Kieran LaFault. Hello Kieran. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well Kieran. I, I, I've read reports that you've had um, a fight recently with a hairdresser. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you can see what I look like now. I haven't actually brushed it today, so I've got a, a stupid, like, messy Vince McMahon quiff going on. Uh, and I thought I'd get away with not being on camera until I spoke to you, because you don't care. And then yeah. one of the meetings I was in at work today, I've been working from home today, the woman was like, oh, you've been working on all of our stuff. I'd really love to see what you look like. And I'm like, really? She went, yeah, turn your camera on. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to have to. And I'm like, I, have, I had to apologise for my hair as I switched it on. <laughs> But, yeah, but you, well, you're right, aren't you? You're correct, though. Some some hairdressers, especially the ones, and I know this from, you know, prior experience in Rochdale, the ones who you're paying like a fiver, but they grab your head like it's a vice <laughs> and then fucking so, come along for the ride. Two stories. In 2006, I think it was, I was in Sydney and I needed a haircut and I saw a sign that said, uh, haircuts, $3. And I'm like, oh, I can go and do that. And then I did the maths. And at that point, $3 was about £1.17. And I'm like, that is basically a bloke sticks you between his legs and shears you like a sheep. Like you have one <laughs> option for a haircut. <laughs> you have what he wants to give you. Um, and yeah, the other thing is I go to a place around the corner from me that is the most recent one to open up. So where I live, basically, it is a very multicultural area. And every every race and country you can think of has its own uh grocery store cafe beauty parlor and barbers and insurance brokers as well <laughs> yeah one or two of those yeah. um and so i go around the corner to a bunch of nice croatian lads they're lovely however if you get the boss you get a great haircut if you get the, his second in command you get an okay haircut this time i had a bloke i'd never seen before and i wasn't even sure he worked there because he was wearing he wasn't wearing what the other guys were wearing and I went, and, I went and sat down, and then he just battered my head. Like, he was scraping the clippers up my neck. He was just like, you know when they, they do the clippers over your ears? Every yeah. downstroke was smashing off the top of my ear. Um, yeah, it was like, I felt like I'd been in a boxing match by the time I finished. I just came out with less hair than I went in. And then I had to fucking pay him for it. <laughs> it's London, though, so I have to pay more than the fiver, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably about 25 in London. Uh, 15. 15. I, I, right. pay, um, I pay £9 for mine. And um, mm. they're not, they're like um, like Turkish barbers. So mm. they give you the old, like, if you want to, like, box your box your uh, hair off and <laughs> give you the old lemon spray at the end. Are they like, uh, do they set fire to your ears as well and, like, try and stick the, the wax things up your nose. I've seen, I've, um, I've, I'm trying to think now. I've seen people having you know, like threading their eyebrows, and mm -hmm. um, I've had the fire done mm -hmm. in, in, in a in a barbers I've been to in Berry. That, mm. that they were they were a good one, mm. but um, now generally I escape uh, that's alive. <laughs> I try. I try. The the worst hair thing I did was actually trying to do my own during uh, COVID. But I oh, did it with. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think we all did this. But well, I, it, well, me, I got like um, one of my Wilkinson sword razors. So like, I put all the foam on my head and tried to hook in like you like bick it, oh, and it was no. just like 
yeah. So like fucking patches here, patches there, and <laughs> ne- 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 next door saw me, and they said, "What the fuck you doing?" And this was the time when you couldn't really go into like your neighbour's house and that. But fuck it, I, I went into next door and they give us a number one time. Oh, you look all right now. I did all right. So I've got a set of clippers, and the longest comb on them is an inch. So what I would do was do an inch all over, and then yeah. I go a step down, and I do three quarters of an inch, and then I go like down the bottom and do half an inch, and then there is in between combs in there as well, and I do like the the crossovers with those. That would be day one. And then over the course of the next few days, I'd like have like be playing with my hair, my hands in my hair, and I would find like bits that I'd missed and go into as soon as I found one, I'd go into the bathroom, lop that bit off. The next day I'd find another one, go in the bathroom, lop that bit off. So in about five days, I would have got myself a haircut. Yeah. For free. And apparently not too bad. So yeah, I did of doing it myself this time round as well, but then I was like, then so I have to pass my barbers when I come out the station, and I walked yeah. past, uh, I walked past the other day, and there was nobody in the chairs, and I'm like, okay, I've got to go in, I've got to go, I've got to do it now. Well, there you go. That's uh, five and a half minutes gone of this podcast, and uh, <laughs> we've not talked about um, yeah, our subject. Yeah. It'd be a highest rated episode ever. I was banging yeah. about haircuts rather than reviewing this shit wrestling show. Well, yeah, um, episode 14 and 15 of mm-hmm. UWA Wrestling Rampage, the famous dumpster fire of 1999. A disaster in every segment. <laughs> so, let's get into episode 14, listeners. As ever, you want to see the heavy stuff? We're going to beat you. As, um, they yeah. keep threatening it. They keep threatening it. Uh, Dan Belinka introduces his from the crime investigation van as he runs through what what we're going to see for this week. Uh, it's yeah, basically all the <laughs> he threatens us with Big Papa T versus Johnny Storm, a Paul Sloan match, the debut of Flash Barker, uh, and uh, Stevie Knight versus um, old Phil Powers. Yes. Um, so we have a big siren that sounds as Kerry Cabrero enters the ring. Um, Paul Martin, the ring announcer, goes, The first line, Kerry Cabrero. He has some very interesting lines over the uh, this, this couple of episodes. I'll, I'll do them when we get to them. I did like, so we get the... Um, we get the, the recap of the, the Kerry and Stevie Knight and Phil Powers situation. Um, yeah. uh, if anybody's been paying attention and cares, um, uh, Kerry Cabrero turned heel on uh, on Phil Powers and has joined up with Stevie Knight, and they've become the most entertaining act in the company simply by virtue of they know their characters and they're just heels, whereas most other people are baby faces that want to have an edge or heels that want to be cheered. Yeah, these guys are just out and out heels. They play a bit into the crowd sort of latent homophobia by hugging every chance they get and like giving each other little kisses on the cheek and that kind of thing. Um, that it's clear they are very much doing a lot of stuff to entertain themselves, but it's entertaining, it's entertaining to me as well, certainly as an audience member. So Kerry gets the microphone, he says, The UWA is finally letting us talk. They've had mic time on the past three episodes. <laughs> They've had more mic time than bloody Triple H back in his uh, Reign of Terror days. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, it, they basically just call the crowd scumbags and run down the women of Blackpool. That seems to be their shtick. Is like they're they're not happy with uh, the female contingent of Blackpool. Just telling home truths, aren't they? 
I cannot possibly comment. <laughs> um, on commentary on this episode is uh, Steve Morgan and British Beef Danny Royal. Uh, yeah. What would we make of Danny Royal's performance on commentary, Kieran? I think, I doing a quick count in my head, over 14 episodes, I think he is the sixth commentator they've had. The oh, only God. constant has been Steve Morgan. Yes. Um, he is He is no worse than Simon Bridlington. It's, it's, it's commentary for the blind, so he's like telling you exactly what's happening. Kerry Cabrera with a clothesline there. Uh, Flash Barker with a hammerlock. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But and he's not super charismatic, but I've heard I've heard worse on this show. Um he's better than uh Ross. Uh Ross has energy. I think we talked about this before. Like what, yeah. what Ross Gordon has going for him is energy. Um whereas the others are all a bit flat and dull, and he kind of Danny kind of falls into the flat and dull kind of thing i presume mm. it's because like bridlington couldn't make the uh couldn't make the tape couldn't make the recording they i think they do say on the next episode that his his wife just gave birth yes so it's entirely idiot. possible that he couldn't make make the recording for that um yeah uh the other person we get here not on commentary is the tiny ancient peanut ref again oh we do yeah um hans molman yes <laughs> Um, and also, well, with Kerry Cabrera, as mentioned, was um, supposedly the next David Beckham, uh, Stevie <laughs> Knight. Yeah, I found and sent you uh, like an article from the time from was it the Independent? It was, yeah, and it was a, sort of a proper newspaper. Up. Yeah, it was, but it was full of all the usual bollocks. You know, these men, these big beefcakes, will be headlocking their way in in the grunt and groan ring. Every Saturday night, that kind of bullshit you get. Do you remember Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks? Yeah. Um, yeah, they <laughs> they were very taken with what Stevie Knight looked like. And yes, called him the David Beckham of the UWA. <laughs> the biggest shock to me was the revelation that Iron Duke Lynch was 31. <laughs> I know. He looks minimum of 46. Fucking Arn Anderson. Yeah. laughing at that yeah yeah oh my god <laughs> 31 with a bloody curly mullet um looking yeah. like a sack of shit and uh yeah carrying, carrying some tin belts allegedly a former boxer as well yeah oh he he also got by on doing extra work didn't he and um, oh, yeah. some, some dramas yeah like playing heavies in movies and that kind of thing or well yeah. probably playing heavies in coronation street rather than, you know, proper films. Mm. So, first match is uh, Kerry Cabrero versus, versus the one and only Flash Barker yeah. of old FWA fame. I told you, this is like finding out that FWA had an NXT. Yeah. Everybody yeah. shows up. So, at the end, I'll do a list of all the people that turned up for the FWA afterwards. It's probably most of them. One of my notes here, I put Flash Barker as ever looks like looks nails, looks hard as fuck. Yeah, I thought he came across really well in this match. Yes, it's, I mean we're skipping to the end a bit. This was I for me. This was the best match we've seen out of the Blackpool taping so far. It was given time, and also for like um, I will say for like a debut wrestler, 
Mm. He didn't look out of place. No, it was given time. It all made sense. Like Flash did a lot of interesting stuff and was and was good at it. Um, like he was doing, uh, he was doing like belly to belly suplexes. He was tried the ankle lock. He does. Um, before we go to the break, he does a plunger over the top and squashes both of the heels. Um, yeah, he looked. Um, he looked pretty good. Yeah. Um. So. With the, with this one, um, well, Danny Royals actually, you know, being you know taking turns on being like lead commentator. I did he had I put here he had all the charisma of a of a withered bollock. <laughs> I think you're getting you mixed up with Paul Sloan, which isn't that difficult <laughs> to be honest. Um, you have um, what's it? Stevie Knight giving Kerry the chair to do the uh, springboard dive. Yeah. And tobacco. It always looks good. This I think this was maybe his best one since he hit it on a yeah. Grand Ninewa, weren't it? Yeah, but rather than he's using a chair to spring over the ropes, but he's only clearing them by like two inches. I don't think he needs the chair. As long as you clear it, that's the yeah, yeah, that's I guess the main so. objective. Um, what happens? They brawl off up the ramp. Flash gets backdropped on it. Kerry gets hip tossed on it, and then because everybody has to have a go, Stevie Knight gets bulldogged on it. Uh, Barker hit uh, he hit this really nice top rope twisting clothesline and got a near fall. Uh, yes, Danny Royal called a DDT variation. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of variations. I will there were say a lot of variations. From, uh, Danny there's, there's Royal, interesting variations later on. We'll get into. Um, yeah, so like the heels kind of double team Flash a bit. Um, they fuck up a chair spot right in front of the camera. It's supposed to be a like a Van Damme, the, the Van Dammenator that Big Show did, which is like he, the opponent gets flung the chair and then Barker was supposed to just punch it. Yeah. yeah. What actually happened was it sort of pinged back and ping pong back and forth between them, but didn't really hit either of them. And then Powers just fell over. Uh, Cabrero just fell over. Sorry. Uh, Flash has it one with a Michinoku driver, but Knight pulls him off the cover. Kerry then hits is not actually the flatliner for the pin. Apart from the ballsed up chair spot, I thought this was shockingly good. Hmm. Fundamentally be... sound, I did put. Yeah, I'd be very happy to see Flash Barker back again. Particularly if he takes the place of some of the shit ones. Well, yeah, definitely. Um, so Phil Powers actually turns up at the end of the match to save Flash from a beating. Um, I, I would say if this was going by WWE standards, it would set up, should in effect set up a tag team match yeah, at the end of the show, player, player. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not the end of this show, but like you, I would hope coming within the next, uh, on the next round of episodes we review, that there is a tag team match between these two. So that, that's what makes the most logical sense to me. Yeah. Um, so next up, we have Too Far Gone in the ring with uh, Paul Martin. Mm. Uh, tiny girl number one, Lana, brings a message from the death squad. Um, it was a Dusty S promo. This was so... <laughs> this must have been terrible because it's presented as being earlier today and was very clearly edited down. Yeah. Um, they call the death squad's tin belts crap and throw them on the floor, which made me laugh. Um, and Steve Morocco says, taking the death squad's bike away would be the ultimate insult. And then, as you said, a tiny girl comes out on behalf of the Legion of Goons and said they'll fight them next week for the belts. I wonder what happens to the other tiny girl. I don't know. I keep thinking she'll come back, but doesn't. So um, next up, more, more promo work here with oh, uh, yeah. Rebecca 
having a moan about Frank and wants to talk to Frank. Well, <laughs> we find out that basically Rebecca has a drug problem because that's what the Frank hotline was. Yeah, she's in the promo bog. Uh, they clearly shoot a load of their, their promos in a toilet. You can see the bin she's standing next to because the camera comes back too far. Yeah, she just moans about Papa T's bad treatment and Frank appearing and oh, oh, this storyline's bollocks, isn't it? I, I mean, all of them are. Come on, let's be honest. Uh, so, back to the ring now. Second match is um, the return of Phil Blend yep. uh, versus the human egg, Paul Sloan. Uh, Sloan comes out to a dance version of Ready or Not. Yes, uh, and he's clearly not. He's not. He's no. not. He's not. Were you a big Fuji's fan back in the day, Kieran? No, not at all. The only thing I remember about Ready or Not is that the music video for it is the first ever million dollar music video. Right. That's my, my what, what actually what actually costs to make. Yeah, cost a million dollars to make that music video. And this is back in the day when music videos are a big deal. Like now, like would you get YouTube has killed the music video, apart from Gangnam style, I guess. Like there's no yeah. there's no there's no point in making them, there's no money in making them. I know, but you used to remember back in the day on a special like MTV, they'd be like video premiers, wouldn't there? And yeah. because they were a great marketing tool. Yeah, now, I always it's not that way I, anymore, really. I always remember the uh, premiere of All Saints Booty Call, and they had to actually premiere it at midnight <laughs> because it yeah. was that yeah you know, risque and that because there were booties being called. There was, yeah. It's just the booty call. Making booty calls. Oh, that's not it, is it? <laughs> um also Phil Blender has a god awful tattoo on his back. What yep. the fuck was he thinking? Hey, well, we mentioned before he's one half of the new breed, as would be in the FWA. And I, <laughs> I seem to recall I said before, he's always had that tattoo, but it's a tattoo, of course he's fucking always had it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the team that famously botched a high five on the biggest show of the year, so Blend um, during this match, it's something resembling a snowplow and a well, reverse DDT, which is a variation um, of a, of a clothesline. <laughs> I will read you all of my notes for this match. Go on. Blend up early with some poorly executed basics, almost kills Sloan with a Northern Lights bomb, which Royal completely kills by calling it a variation of a body slam, and then voluntarily gets off the cover at one. He misses a splash off the top, gets hit with a reverse DDT, which gets called a variation of a suplex and pinned. All of this <laughs> happened in front of precisely zero crowd noise. This was dreadful. <laughs> Just absolute shit. It certainly wasn't the perfect blend, was it? Like, uh, like no. they used to say on Neighbours. No. No, gold blend he is not. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, a reverse suplex slash DDT by the human egg. Gets the win. Uh, we have adverts now. No tomorrow. Some eye tests, uh, which uh, <laughs> some of the bookers of UWA probably needed. And Oxfam. And drag yeah. racing. And we missed and the first half break of the show as well, which had drag racing, Pringles, a sexy lady in glasses squishing her ah, yeah. liner in the book. Yeah, uh, no, right. I, for, I forgot this. Um, yeah. yeah, so Pringles. I was going to say paprika flavour. That didn't last long. No, I don't think they make them anymore. Nah, the, the, the top flavors either ready salted or the uh, cheese and chives in it, sour I'm, cream and onion. 
I'm a Texas barbecue man, but I preferred the original barbecue flavor they made. Like they changed it. And even still, above Pringles, if you go to Aldi, they do knockoff ones. Yes. Which are cheaper and I think better. Ooh. And they fit in my cupboard, which Pringles cans don't. A Pringles Where can is slightly too cool to fit into my, my cupboard. And then Doritos went down that road of doing um, Doritos stacks, which mm. are like in a triangular shape, long yeah. tube. To be legally yeah. distinct. Uh, Not too bad. What else we get? A terrible American ad for a vacuum cleaner and bangers and smash. And tampons as well. Yeah, that's what I said. So she squashes her panty liner in a book. And thankfully, it's one of the good panty liners. So we're spared a, a horrifying spillage of blue liquid all over the place. <laughs> so um, back from the adverts now, we have a, a Johnny Storm promo about Big Papa T. In the promo right. toilet. In the promo toilet. Storm Using is supposedly styling action. Yep, that would be his catchphrase for years. It might still right. be. I don't know. He's a bit of a he's a bit of a wonder pensioner now, rather than the wonder kid. But I think he uh, and he's got a terrible haircut, as I recall. We saw him. He was in a football thing, wasn't he? Like behind a football presenter. He was, yes. And we were like, surely that must be a wig. No, no. Turns out that's his actual hair now. So we we get to our third match, which is a five foot nine. Johnny Storm, Bollocks. five foot, five foot nine foot girl, carry on. more like four <laughs> foot nine. Um, with nine standing on that tampon lady's book, yeah. <laughs> uh, with Mad Dog McPhee and uh, Steve Linsky. In, and and in jump around as his theme tune. Yes. And uh, exploding onto your screens, according to Paul Martin. <laughs> this is Big Papa T. Johnny Storm's homemade jacket. What do we make of that jacket? <laughs> I will say that his gear got better as his career progressed. He uh, had a few rough years uh, on the gear front, did Johnny. Yeah. The gimmick here is like he he's decided he's also going to dance. So Papa T is known as the dancer. But Storm, Storm does the worm down the ramp badly on purpose, much to the annoyance of Linsky and Fanny McPhee. <laughs> Uh, commentary make lots of jokes about Johnny looking like a child. Like, has he done his homework? Should he be out this late? All that kind of thing. Uh, Storm grabs the mic and says, he'll be the first to pin Papa T. Uh, I did like, T gets in the ring and Storm bails and he's like, no, 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 no. I didn't realise he was going to be that fat. <laughs> uh, he gets yelled at by Linsky, Mad Dog, Rebecca and the ref to get in the ring and fight. <laughs> yeah, I quite liked him being like a little dickhead heel here. How, how old would he have been at this stage? Oh, pretty young. Uh, let me think. He must have been uh, early, really early, tw 20s. Yeah. Uh, so when is this? This is... 99. Uh, yeah, like July July 99, isn't it? Um, and so he would have been 22. Right, yeah. Sorry. He'd have yeah. got a child, got a baby. Hmm. He's determined to get what he can out of this, I think. Like, um, he's 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 ducking the lockup. He's mocking Papa T's walk. And then he slides through his legs a couple of times. He takes him down to the knee with a drop kick. Hits a leg larry off the top. Hits a moonsault, and gets, but gets, like, chucked out of the ring. Um, T does a terrible forward roll into a shoulder block where he stops to check the bus times in the middle. Uh, and then Johnny makes a clothesline look good by doing a full backflip off it. Um, 
T hits an apron dive onto Mad Dog, and oh my god, I hope they're not having a match. Fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> well, remember the last time they had a match, weren't it? Have they had a match before? No, I think they were just scared they were going to. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming up tonight, it's Big Papa T, Mad Dog McPhee. Thankfully, they were in separate matches. It was Uh, was basically, you know, like when uh, from the Royal Rumble, when Hogan and uh, Warrior threatened to touch each other. And (laughs) We don't need British wrestlers threatening to touch people. Uh, So Mad Dog gets up. (laughs) Uh, Mad Dog gets up far too quickly for being dived on by Papa T. Uh, and as we pan the thousands of empty seats, Frank appears on the stage in camo with a mic speaking French. Uh, Morgan claims he heard him use the word fake and Johnny wins by count out. This was obviously bad, but probably the best big Papa T match so far. Because <laughs> of Johnny Storm. <laughs> I will, I will give it. I will give it to Papa T. It, a mm. great clothesline, and Johnny Storm sold it like um, a good. Johnny one. Storm was determined to come out of this looking good. I think, mm. and I think he did. Yeah, he was. De- I think he was determined to show people that he could get something out of Big Papa T, and by and large, he did by flinging himself all over the place. Yeah, like Shawn Michaels, weren't he? Yeah, against Hogan that time. Um, so at the end of the match, uh, with T like you know distracted, he goes chasing after Frank, and Rebecca looks angry. Uh, also, Mad Dog and uh, Linsky also walk out on Johnny, who are they're, they're fed up with him. Yeah, I guess already. So. He, he's never really belonged in that group anyway. I don't think, and I don't think he should be turned face. I think there is there's mileage in a Johnny Storm heel run. So I only saw when I first got into British wrestling, Johnny Storm was a baby face. And then he did the heel turn in the FWA, and it was kind of like a revelation. He was so good at it. And I didn't realize that he'd done it before. Like It's almost exactly the same act, Mm. but with more hair. Well, yeah. (laughs) So uh, fourth and final match on this show, your main event. Well, uh, we actually get Stevie Knight in the the promo toilet. Yes. uh, Talking about flying Jill Flowers. Uh, next to the bin again before turning and heading towards the door at the back of the shot, which is very clearly a cubicle. So he was obviously obviously off off for a pre-match dump, (laughs) going for a Powers, Uh, and then a very energetic Phil Powers promo in the same toilet. Angry, angry, shouty, shouty promo. It's all the Ah. usual shit. He calls Knight Pal three times and calls himself The Fly twice. He, I don't understand how he doesn't know his own nickname. <laughs> There's um, a thing here from um, Paul Martin, the uh, the ring announcer, which he says, you've seen him wrestle, <laughs> now you see him referee, Paul wow. Sloan. The th- yeah, so the point is that Paul Sloan is the, it was set up last week or the week before that Paul Sloan will be the special referee for this match. Um they couldn't find him a ref shirt, so he's dressed like he's off to his first job interview. And that whole, you've seen him wrestle, now you can watch him referee. Wow, the thrill of watching a bald man dressed like young pub landlord of the year, 1998, potentially count to three. <laughs> How you, You've seen him do suplexes and clotheslines, now watch him count and complain when people pull the hair. What a What a hook for a match. Oh, the other important thing here 
the title can change hands on a disqualification. So Stevie Knight previously had gone to Sorsha, after a uh, uh, UWA official, uh, and tried to Sorsha. <laughs> yeah, tried to get her to go to the board to make this a no DQ match because he was like, Paul Sloan is obviously going to help his mentor cheat. Uh, and she said it wasn't going to be an ODQ match, uh, probably because I didn't want to do anything violent on TV, but that instead the title can change hands on a disqualification. So if you can't tell what the finish is going to be, it's an honour to meet you, Mr. Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Worryingly, there are 16 minutes left of this show. <laughs> I know. This, it, it, it was a long one, I, w- I, w- I will say this. I've got a terrible habit of when the main event goes to the ring, I check to see how much is left. I need to stop, man, because it, it never turns out well. It, it, it's always the case in the main event, possibly one of the worst matches of the show, isn't it? And you know, like 90% yeah. of the time it is. This yeah. was this was all right, I will yeah. say, but a bit of a a bit of a duff finish, but yeah. Well, a bit of a duff start. So brave babyface Phil Powers attacks Stevie and Kerry during their entrance, yeah. smacking them both in the back of the head with his shit belt. Crowd couldn't care less. Uh, Cabrero gets ejected for hitting Powers with a chair. Uh, Powers takes over with a butterfly suplex, a drop kick, and a vertical suplex. And then when we come back from the replay, Stevie Knight is magically in control again. <laughs> so something got edited out. Yeah. Um, I will say here as well, uh, when Stevie Knight's on top, when we go into adverts, just mention the adverts here. There's mm-hmm. boys toy, boy toys in um, 15 minutes. Home invasions, 0171-293-2494. Expose your neighbours now. Yeah, asking people to spy on their neighbours for a new show. This can't have been legal. This is so dodgy. Well, I don't know. Sometimes it goes on even on my street, that, and it's 2023. Is it a bit bit neighbourhood watch, your area, or is it a bit like people are shagging each other's wives, or both? No, it's just like um, spying. Oh, I see. Is there a, is there a WhatsApp group for the street that's got all the gossip in it? <laughs> like Smallbridge chat on Facebook, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but back to the second half of the match, uh, we have a backbreaker by Stevie that got a two. Um, the four fifty splash. Now we've got to point this out by Phil Powers. What what the fuck? I it? almost laughed myself to death. I laughed so hard, I hurt my chest. He missed a four... So Powers goes up top. He misses a 450 by a minimum of three feet, and they replayed it. Oh, no. I know. They weren't in the same postcode. They were like... He would have had to mail him a letter to connect with that thing. They were so far apart. It was dreadful. And then they replayed it. Like Stevie Knight was over near the ropes, the other yeah. side of the ropes. Yeah. Yeah, not good. Like I said, there's a, at least one disaster in every segment. Um, Stevie Knight, though, I think looked good. So he was, yeah. uh, he's got a really nice power bomb that, like, that kind of it almost got lost in the middle. And he was just strong enough to haul powers up and get it to work and make it look good as well. Mm. Um, and powers, for everything we say about him, got a really nice German suplex on him. Um, yeah. then oh, fuck me time stands still as Knight chucks a chair in the ring and Paul Sloan removes it 
Knight on his knees offers a handshake, but Powers drop kicks him, then goes outside and smashes him over the head with another of those MVC signs that cut Doug Williams open and gets disqualified. A call back to a previous episode. I, lo- I love that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the very least, it exploded in spectacular fashion. Um, but this was like not a great match. The finish was bad for sure. And well, we'll get on to the reasoning when in next week where it gets kind of explained, but like fucking hell. Um, so Sloan immediately leaves. Cabrero comes out to celebrate. Powers is pissed off. Uh, keeping with the theme of title belts on the show being completely disrespected in this company, Powers finds the TV title where he left it after the entrance is on the ramp and angrily throws it to the referees who give it to Knight. Knight says he's been waiting to win this belt for eight years, despite the title only being introduced four months ago. Uh, <laughs> and we see that it is barely big enough to fit around his waist. And he's not a fat man. No, no, no. Pathetic strap. Um, yeah. Not, okay. I sound like I'm ragging on it, and this wasn't good. But this was far from the worst show we've watched. Like, no, it was de- de- decent uh, 45, 50 minutes of hell of this. Grading on the UWA curve, I would put this one at average. But it yeah. started well and kind of was a roller coaster going downhill after that a bit. I will say with this main event, um, I think... Phil Powers comes across as a whiny, whiny bitch. He's not a lot. I don't understand his popularity. He's not a likable baby face. No, absolutely not. And I know he has been double teamed by the heels, but he looked, he didn't look smart. He looked like a coward attacking them from behind with a weapon. Mm. Like that's not, that's not how baby faces do business. And the thing was, his mate who was referee, the human egg, Mm. he, he was in the right to disqualify him. It's like, he yeah. used a weapon, mate. But what you about his real. other mate that he made during the opener? Like, yeah. wouldn't it not have made more sense that if Flash Barker came out to take Kerry Cabrera away so it can be a fair one-on-one match? Yeah. Yeah. There's Swiss cheese, this booking, man. So many holes. So, yeah, no, that's the uh, end of episode 14. As I... Uh, Turn turn the page in, mm. in my notebook here. Um, still uses pen and paper. I know, still but uses. But I'll buy an iPad, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so episode fifteen, Dan Belinka, who's a good man on Twitter as well. I uh, yeah, I sent, you had interaction with him, didn't you? I did. Uh, just to ask him for his his memories of you mm. uh, of UWA uh, wrestling rampage. Very good memories. Um, he seemed to um, really enjoy doing it. Now he's a big... Uh, episode 18 in his loft, the missing one. Well, I, I should ask him that. He actually follows me on uh, on Twitter oh, now. Nice. But, uh, oh, he's going to hear this, so we'll be nice about him. Dan, you're very good at your job. He is, yeah. And it's nice to have a good interaction on on Twitter um, yeah. with someone involved in the show. Yeah. Just like it was with Transatlantic Wrestling Challenge. Yeah. Wait until we do FWA and we get Alex Shane on the phone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my life. That is never happening. Speaking of Alex uh, Shane, he's going to wrestle Big Papa T on this show. He is, yeah. But um, mm. um, Belinka, as I said, uh, recaps last week and previews mm. the 45 minutes to come um, as we um, get threatened. Well, we don't get threatened. We get told, match number one now. 
a man with fire in his eyes. It's Mad Dog McPhee. Yeah, but what made me laugh more than that was him trying to was him trying to find something good to say about the guy's opponent, which was the man dressed in black. And Joe five, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> five feet eleven and a half inches. He isn't. I've stood next to this man and he is not that. This is the other member of the new breed, Ash. Ah, yes. Uh, he is Joe Young here. He is not mighty. Uh, Simon Bridlington is back on commentary. <laughs> I, I did put, uh, put one of my notes here. Steve Linsky commentating on Steve Linsky. Yeah, it's always fun, isn't it? Uh, this is another one I can run through very quickly. Dog batters young with bad strikes. Young runs the, ro- young runs the ropes funny. Uh, and the camera almost misses him hitting a DDT. McPhee flings him off the top rope and hits a surprisingly nice kneeling pile driver for the win. 46 seconds. Squash. Absolutely. Absolutely. He knows sold the DDT as well. He popped up like Road yeah. Warrior Hawk. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Uh, Phil Powers uh, promo in a different toilet. Yeah, I did put Phil Powers once answers while hanging onto a sink. <laughs> Why is the stink stuck to the wall? <laughs> yeah. He says he thought Paul Sloan could be a good wrestler because, quote, he was a good-looking young fella, a bit muscly. Uh, and then he sticks his hand out the camera. He says, take a look at this hand because this is the hand that has nurtured your career. Now take another look at this hand because this is the hand that's going to smash your goddamn face in. <laughs> I'm amazed he didn't completely blow out the microphone at the end. He was shouting so loud. <laughs> Next, next up, we he have Paul Sloan. He has energy to him, right? <laughs> he does, he does. Yeah. Um, next up, it's not Clarissa explains all, it's Paul <laughs> Sloan explains all. Yes, yes, he eggs his way down to the ring. Uh, he asks, uh, uh, he's asked by Paul Martin to explain himself, and in turn, uh, Sloan asks Powers to come out so he can apologise to him. Yeah. Phil Powers, who was very angry in the toilet, is now smiling, slapping hands with the fans, and for some reason has taken his shirt off and changed his trousers since the promo. Makes it sounds like he had to um, have a wank, and then now he's happy now. And you know, <laughs> he's probably so angry he shat himself and he had to have a quick change. <laughs> Apparently, this needs to be a semi-naked apology. So Sloan has taken his shirt off too, and it's just two shirtless men in black jeans standing next to a bloke who looks like a bingo caller. Sloan's explanation doesn't quite make sense. He says that Powers taught him better than to cheat in matches and use weapons, and all the fans have seen him win without cheating. He says, you may have lost the title, but you kept what you taught me. No, he didn't. He hit Knight with a weapon. He just got caught. I think a more logical story, and possibly the story they were trying to tell until Dr. Evil Jr. here opened his mouth, is that Sloan expects those kind of tactics from Stevie Knight, but the Powers always taught him to hold himself to a higher standard and that he DQ'd him to teach him a lesson so that he wouldn't forget his principles. Like, that's an okay story, I think. Whatever it was that Eggman said was just not that. (laughs) Uh, Power says, friendship means more than anything else and shakes his hand. And Sloan immediately clubs him in the back of the head. (laughs) He's a loser, isn't he, Powers? Absolute (laughs) loser. I did it. So I quite enjoyed the next bit. Cabrera runs down and ties Powers in the ropes. As, as Sloan says, he's not Powers' bag carrier or protege. He's, he went, I'm Paul Sloan. I'm a person. 
<laughs> a very oily, highly shaved person. Um, I just realised, actually, that he and Danny Royal have the same voice. Oh, yeah, and you don't see him in the same room together, do you? <laughs> Dragon Danny Royal is just Paul Sloan in a wig. You like metamorphosis. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Stevie Knight comes out and he says he's impressed. He's like, I didn't think you had this in you, Sloan, big nose. He says, uh, uh, <laughs> they love, Stevie they, Knight is excellent here. He's like, the piss out. Yeah. He, he's like bringing Paul Sloan up to a level and then in the next sentence just fucking knocking him down like yeah. a big conk. Yeah, he says, I thought you were always destined to be Powers' bag boy. And he says, you could should come and join our group and we'll train you from being several notches below us to just one notch below us, which I thought was really good. Yeah. Uh, and Sloan simply walks away uh, as Cabrero calls him a big-nosed geek. Uh, the heels beat up Powers. They give him their finisher each, and the crowd watch in silence as they finish him off with a spike pile driver. And my thought after this was, guess Flash Barker doesn't like Phil Powers that much. Um, but... Ad break. Big blue screen for two minutes because they've been no. cut out of a tape. <laughs> well, Yeah. <laughs> I thought all technical difficulties, but what we we uh, return with is a shocked Dambalinka who mm. looks looks and sounds taken aback by the in-ring attack. He's like proper Owen Hart voice, this one from uh, Adam. <laughs> yeah, and then immediately turns on a dime to throw us to a package of the wrestlers on Blackpool Pleasure Beach, all cut to Pink by Aerosmith, a song all about licking pussy. <laughs> So we had um, Johnny Storm, Alex Shane, and Stevie Knight uh, yeah. going uh, around. Uh, uh, Danny Royal and Too Far Gone were there as well. Yes. The funniest thing was all the normal people looking up at how tall Shane is as he walks past them. It's constant craned necks, which is what you want. Like, you know, for all the bad things we say about Alex Shane, and believe me, I've got a book full, like, he, he looks the part. I've you stood know. next to him twice, and yeah. he's a big fucking lad. Yeah, he is. Um, so what do they do? They do some arm wrestling. They harass some women. They put on silly hats. Uh, they do the test of strength hammer thing and generally twat about uh, until they get chucked out by security for filming. Um, I was very impressed that Danny Royal could get Alex Shane on his shoulders seemingly very easily. Johnny Storm running into a lamppost as well. For some reason, yes. The fakest run into a lamppost you've ever seen. Yeah, proper like big show, big show, Ed Butler, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Into, into a lamppost. But I bet they go to some antics on that weekend. I dread to think. I dread to think. Um, moving swiftly on. Mm. Um, match number two, uh, which is uh, the one and only Alex Shane coming out to Pretty Fly for a White Guy by The Offspring. Um, Which is a song that's not exactly complimentary about its subject, is it? No. But shockingly up to date. Like, that song is less than a year old when this was taped. Yeah. Good tune as well. Were you an Offspring fan back in the day, Kieran? Yeah, I was. And uh, when I was at college, which would have been like the... um, when did I finish? It might I might have even still been there this year. Yeah, I think I would have been. Like I had a friend at college who was big into the offspring. So like whenever we got in his car, like that album would have been in the uh would have been in the in the CD player for sure. I think it was um the other album as well. See Smash 
the one with self self esteem. Brian Danielson's on on old entrance theme from uh, ROH. I I only generally bought CDs when you had like a wrestler's theme. <laughs> I'd go straight to Music Zone in Rochdale and like buy D- Deep Purple's Greatest Hits just for Perfect Strangers. Yeah, like, yeah. Was but the version of Deep Purple's Greatest Hits that I bought has got the organ intro cut off Perfect Strangers, oh. which takes so much off that song. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's not right. It's not right. But Alex Shane's opponent is the one and only Big Papa T. Yeah, Shane's got some business to get through first. He starts his promo, and then Paul Martin very clearly tells him where the hard cam is, so he turns around. Um, he is the only wrestler on these shows to do his promos into a camera. Everybody else is facing away from the hard cam because that's where most of the people are. But yeah. Shane knows that he's on TV, which is smart. Um, he says Leon Murphy's actions have forced him to ask for a singles match, and he doesn't know who or care who his opponent is. Whoops, probably shouldn't have told us at the beginning of the show then. Uh, but he's going to show Murphy how to win a wrestling match. Paul Martin introduces Papa T with the line, he wears the executioner's mask. He means business. <laughs> As this fucking goon dances and bushwhackers his way down the ramp. You could imagine Paul Martin being a replacement voiceover on like Blind Date, couldn't you? <laughs> or Bullseye. Here's Bully oh. Special Prize. Easily. What do you think of number one? Johnny from Essex. He's a little bit short, but he's a cheeky chappy. Number two, (laughs) Phil, also from Essex. Got a lot of energy. (laughs) (laughs) Or number three, Duke from Sheffield. 31. Watch out, ladies. He's going to beat you. So uh, this this matchup of uh, the Titans, Shane and T, <laughs> clash of the Titans, yeah. Uh, Papa T, it's his strange belly to belly in a clothesline. Okay. Um, I and call then... it the toss man slam. <laughs> um, we have um, when Alex Shane goes to the outside, we have our very own Tony Schiavone on on commentary go. It's free. <laughs> With all the charisma of a day-old used tea bag, Frank ambles across ringside, sticks a piece of A4 to T's back that immediately falls off, and then just wanders off up the ramp. <laughs> a disaster in every segment, I'm telling you. <laughs> Papa T loses again by count out as yep. he's uh, distracted by um, old talk to Frank. Yeah, Rebecca reveals that the piece of paper says fake on it. Um Rubbish, rubbish, obviously, uh, but I will pop if it turns out the story is that Big Papa T is a fraud and the man under the mask is not the man that Mrs. T showed us in the Alan the Cabbie segment. You remember the picture she held up? Yeah. yeah, And he's been living in that woman's house, raising her kids with his mask on all this time, and it's not her husband. (laughs) Plot twist at the end. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Dan Belinka's cream pants uh, make an appearance in the, uh, <laughs> in the next. I thought there were no other words between cream and pants. <laughs> as, as he um, introduces us to the uh, next segment, which uh, will be match number three for the UWA t- titles. The bike is on the line as the death squad. 
of um, what's it, Jerry Jerry Fags and uh, Brian Nobhead, <laughs> go against uh, the champions too far gone. Yes, the music can mean only one thing, one thing only. Yes, someone is playing Smells Like Teen Spirit too fast. <laughs> There's someone in the crowd as well with a job centre sign, which um, pro- probably um, a, a note for Ryan Duke Lynch after the match. He probably just nicked it from out the front of the building. Um, 21 we, we, minutes left on this show, by the way. I, I looked. You were worried, dear. <laughs> I bet you were worried. Oh, God. The, the deaf squad are going 20. They're going Broadway. Yeah. Uh, well, um, seeing as there's one tiny girl with the deaf squad... Too far gone, have a valet as well. In a 350-pound muscly man called Ian Harrison, the former British Storm. They also have a blonde with big tits. Unfortunately, he's called Ian. (laughs) Oh, Christ. (sighs) They do... As bad as the singles matches are, I think the tag matches are worse in this company. Yeah. Like... Once again, they did the both men in the ring tag. Um, <laughs> my next note just says boring things happen. It's, uh, it's, just, it's just about 10 minutes of the referee getting distracted by Iron Duke Lynch's uh, 31-year-old looks and, <laughs> and, and his tag partner, Shit Tyson Fury, just getting beat up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, commentary are calling uh, Ian Smiler. Um, because he smiled on his way down to the ring, uh, and he's getting in on the action like he's beating up Myers on the outside. Um, it's all it's all busy work. Like nothing means anything in this match, and nothing leads to anything. Like part of the problem is, as we've said before, the ring is too small, and yeah. that's um, like that is borne out in a sex a segment where I think it's Lynch gets snapmared and just rolls an extra foot and tags out like you can't build any tension because the space they're working in isn't big enough um uh (laughs) i just read my next note which said i hope andy has taken lots of notes because i can't be bothered (laughs) the match was mostly replays of really mundane stuff like it would be like an arm bar would get a replay someone missing a senton would like not even off the top rope would get a replay um, the snapmare got a replay. It was like it was like they had to drag it out to dub twice as long as it was by filling in with replays. Only the action wasn't good enough to be replayable. So with this one um, near the end, referee gets knocked out. Harrison power slams Myers. Harrison press slams one of two far gone to Myers to win the belts and the bike <laughs> and the bus bully in the bus fair home as well. <laughs> well. The camera, so the golden rule I had when I was making wrestling TV, when I was filming wrestling, always show every count because in kayfabe, you don't know which one is going to end the match, right? Yeah. So I would always instruct my camera ops. Every single one of them had to be, whenever there was a cover, had to be out far enough that you saw the cover and you saw at the very least the referee's hand, right? Yeah. This guy, this director, misses the count on the finish of the match. Fuck's sake. A disaster in every segment. Also, I don't think the man getting pinned or the man doing the pinning was legal. 
I think it was the two on the outside because like Duke is being tied to the um the railings with a camera cable, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And Terrell and Myers, who were involved in the finish, were not legal. Something else I've noticed. Paul Terrell, when he cuts his promos, he shouts into the side of the microphone instead of talking into the top. Uh, he challenges anyone to come out and fight them. Uh, Morocco demands real tag belts again and says, this is the last time we'll see them with the crappy death squad belts. Lynch moans about lo- losing, complains about management. He says the next time we see him wrestle, it won't be in an indoor arena and sort of challenges two-factor authentication to an all-or-nothing rematch on his terms. I, I put, is it the Iron Dukes compound in Sheffield? Um, <laughs> the total deletion. <laughs> It's just a metal workshop, isn't it? They've got a chef of angle grinders. <laughs> Sparks flying everywhere. We then cut to outside where Too Far Gone oh have magically God. showered, changed and packed in the last 10 seconds are on the Death Squad bike in the car park. This was some comedy segment, weren't it? <laughs> it's so weird. They then ride away from the building as Death Squad, who have also showered and changed, burst out of the doors and give chase. At no point are both parties in the same shop. So this clearly did not happen. <laughs> it's all covered in three shots and is awarded a whopping nine seconds of TV time before the show goes off the air. Save it for next week. Like, just open with Dan Belinka going, after the main event last week, this is what happened. Like, tagging it on the end now is daft. Yeah, this was shit. Like, th- out of the two episodes, this was the worst. This was three bad matches and one bad angle. I thought I thought this sucked. <laughs> oh my word! Um, yeah, I, w- I will say definitely that episode fourteen was a much better one. Mm. Of the two. This one just had lots of comedy. Yeah, I think um, who came out well out of these episodes? Flash Barker, I think, made a good debut. Stevie Knight. Stevie Knight is still entertaining. Yeah, uh, but only by virtue of being attached to the hip to Stevie Knight. Yes. Um, and uh, I thought Johnny Storm had a, a really good showing in the Big Papa T match, considering who he was up against. Yeah, he got the most out of that for sure. I don't, yeah, I don't think really anyone else. I think uh, the stuff with Frank... It's terrible, isn't it? It's, part of the problem is, uh, as I said, he's got absolutely no charisma. And he's, for all of the promos so far, he's not speaking English. So nobody cares. And the commentary team can't translate. They just so, know the word le fake. <laughs> That's my evil twin. Kieran <laughs> le fake. <laughs> So there you go. Um, that's uh, another two episodes done with. Mm. What are we doing next time? Because uh, well, there is so. episode six. There is episode sixteen, which is an actual show, and yes. then episode seventeen, which is a highlight show. So but there may be maybe an extra part we add on. Who knows? I have. Well, might as well just give it away. Uh, so yeah, sixteen's proper episode. I kind of I skim through seventeen. There is some new footage in it but not yes. much like it accounts for maybe five minutes of the episode. So, you know, I'll watch it and, you know, we can chat about that a little bit. Don't know why they had to have a filler episode. Um, and then yes, uh, somebody managed to unearth the docudrama episode zero that sets up all the characters. 
So I'm quite looking forward to that. Let's do all three of those next time. Yes. Um, thank you to um, Ian Andrew Dice Clay on uh, on Twitter. He's, yes. um, he's a godsend on Twitter. Great yes. account to follow. Yes. And, uh, he hasn't got uh, episode 18 under the bed or anything, has he? <laughs> but we'd better get on to him. Who, who, yeah, who, who, who knows? It might turn up at the uh, when we finish all this on episode 21. Oh, it's episode 18. <laughs> <laughs> Just to really mess with us. But um, that's for next time. But uh, Kieran, what have you got to plug? Uh, well, uh, Must See Matches is my weekly home with Mark Buckledy. Uh He and I run down the top 104 matches that wrestling fans need to see as nominated by other wrestling fans. Uh, it was recently WrestleMania season. Uh, so we did a little run of WrestleMania matches. So Sarah Parkin came to talk uh, Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair from WrestleMania 37. Dave Ryan from Days of Thunder came to talk Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 21. And the I will, I will, I will, Kieran, I will say with that one, um, I remember going to a Shawn Michaels Q and A, and mm. him saying that was probably one of his, I think, top five matches he's ever had. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. It's a good match. Like it's a, it's a real good match. And like mm. part of the appeal of it is, it's legitimately the first time they'd ever had a match. So they've been in the Royal Rumble in January, which is what starts the angle for it. Yeah. Um, but that is the first time they ever had like a proper wrestling match. And then uh, WrestleMania Seven, Randy Savage versus Ultimate Warrior. The mighty Ogden himself came to talk about that. That was a load of fun. Yeah. Uh, plus, we've done Magnum TA versus Tully Blanchard. I quit cage match with Alan Forel. Uh, Shingo Takagi versus Masaki Mochizuki from Gate of Destiny 2015 with Eamon Bell. And then coming up on Sunday, uh, we hit the halfway mark, episode 52. And it's Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat from Chi Town Rumble, the first of the 1989 trilogy with Grapple Gareth. Um, we recorded that uh, last night and I've got to edit it. That was tremendous fun as well. Uh, what are the important things? You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, tons more. You can probably lift up a rock and find the podcast. Uh, go to linktr.ee slash matches for all the ways to subscribe. And we are at Matches on Twitter, Instagram, and Mastodon. You can follow me on Twitter at Kieran Edits. Tickets are available from aawtix.com, and I can take off the Excalibur mask now. <laughs> Did you hear him on this week's when he was oh, doing the fucking hell, Paul lad, we're out of breath. Jesus we? Christ. I imagine him sucking on an oxygen tank immediately after finishing that. He would have been purple inside that mask. Poor man. He was talking a mile a minute. Fuck me when they've got to add AEW collision onto the end. Oh, God. Yeah, poor fella. Like, I, I put on Twitter, like, if he has to do that in a city at altitude, like Denver, he's going to fucking pass out. <laughs> Um, for our show, um, you can follow well follow me on Twitter, Oggy Part Three, and also at GCP Podcast One on Twitter. Uh, recently, myself and our Jeff have done a review of um, One PW All or Nothing from the Doncaster Dome, which included um, a real fight in the crowd. <laughs> uh, that was a that was a thing to thing to see. Match, um, of, the night. <laughs> match of the night as well. Uh, another multi-man in the crowd, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can uh, coming up on GCP. We've got a live review of BWR in Cleeforts, and uh, that'll be on like the sixth or seventh of May, uh, probably the seventh of May um, when we're on the train back or having breakfast somewhere. And in a couple uh, couple of weeks. Uh, also, a review from Tidal at Huddersfield, their next show, and the return. It's Shite Volume Two. Yeah. 
Now that's what I call shite uh, with um, the one and only Matty Edwards as we go through 10 of the worst uh, gimmicks of all time, as chosen by myself. Um, so probably have some interesting views uh, from uh, Mr. Edwards on my choices. Show stealer Alex Shane, Wonder Kid Johnny Storm, Big Papa T. Uh, oh, <laughs> you should have put Big... I, uh, I think you did tell me the list before. You should have put Big Papa T on it and made him watch this. Oh, God. I'll give him, <laughs> give him a bonus. Make him watch... Make him watch Big Papa T versus Tom Munro. <laughs> <laughs> He'll never watch wrestling again. I'll put him off for life. But yeah, no, we've got, we've got, we've got that coming up in a, a couple of weeks. So keep keep an eye out for that one. Oh, was it, 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 it great to record last time with Matty? And hopefully it's uh, great to record again with him. I'm sure it will be. But as ever, thank you, Mr. Kieran from uh, Dambalinka's Crown Notch Van for another month. Hopefully he'll unlock it and let me out. This has been uh, that Brit Rest TV show. Thank you, listeners, and goodbye.